Hello and welcome to the The CMD Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Duzume Jr. Follow me on all social media at The Sam D. That's T H E E S A M D. Subscribe and rate to the podcast, Five Stars, Nothing Less, Tell a Friend. Available on all major podcasts and platforms. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up TheSamD.com. Musical production done by Mayfirst Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash Mayfirst Music. And while you're over there on SoundCloud, uh, I put the pod back up on SoundCloud. And it's doing numbers. So if you're doing SoundCloud, salute to you. The Sandy Podcast back on SoundCloud. Well, I was on here, I was going to talk about how, you know, Kyrie can do Uncle Drew Part 2. Because he can have Ice Cube direct it. But I mean, now we can we can scrap that. You know what I'm saying? Since Cube is out here on the same type of time as Kung Fu Kyrie or Kai. We can now add Aaron Rodgers to the mix. And that's some real crossover appeal. That can get some box offices that I don't think Cube or Kai could get. So now we can add a feature full-length film, Uncle Drew Part 2, maybe with some discount double check, starring Kai Irving, directed and produced and written by Ice Cube, co-starring A-Rod and Rogers. We'll get there. Trust. Oh, <laughs> it's one of the few times I can talk some real shit about a Green Bay quarterback. Oh, trust me. Trust me. I mean, besides the welfare cheat, Brett Favre, who pulled out his dick and, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, stalked the woman. Yeah, 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 I mean, you know, whatever. But off top, let's get into what your man Steve Smith said tonight in a very uh, lackluster Jets-Colts Thursday night football game. I mean, Steve Smith said the thing. That all of us have been saying in group chats, slacks, discords, uh, you know, DMs, whatever. Steve Smith said the thing. And this is why it's okay sometimes if you find the right former athlete, you want to find the former athlete that will say the thing that everyone else has already been saying. And Baker Mayfield is it. Now, I know Baker yeah. may not like this because I know he hears things. But, son, let me just tell you something. Focus here, folks. I would have loved to hear. You're not very good, and Odell is moving on because of you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Steve Smith said the thing that all of us have been saying, some of us longer than others, but for the quite majority of his t- entire tenure in Cleveland, like, yeah, I don't know if this is a fit. I don't know if this is a fit. And the Browns have effectively told Odell, go home, bro. And this is after Odell's pops, you know, put out that 11-minute video that was already floating out there, but he just kind of repurposed it and pushed it. This is after LeBron 
who somehow is a Browns fan as well as a Cowboys fan as well as whoever's hot fan. Uh, yeah, y'all king. So, Braun saying free Odell. And it's been a, a, a swell on social media of free Odell. Like, that's actually a hashtag, free Odell. And it's gotten enough push to where we thought there was going to be a move at the trade deadline, but the trade deadline came and went, and the Browns apparently couldn't get enough and didn't feel they were getting enough in return for getting rid of Odell Beckham, who they gave up a first-round pick and a few other picks for from the G-men, from the Giants. So the Browns hung on to Odell past the trade deadline, and apparently it was because of the contract. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Browns and Odell and Baker are finally coming to the realization that we tricked this off. The issue is that Baker doesn't want to really admit that he's primarily responsible. And by and large, the media doesn't want to admit that it's Baker that has really tricked this off. I don't think it's Odell. You can't tell me Odell is the reason why it's not working or it did not work. I'm going to use past tense as it seems to be past tense. You can't tell me Odell is the reason why it didn't work in Cleveland when he's open 70% of the time. And this is before his pops repurposed that 11-minute video showing him being wide open and Baker either overthrowing him or just not throwing him the rock at all. This is before that. The numbers have been being, the numbers have been crunched for a while now. The mass media just has ignored it. Odell has been open 70% of the time. Yet he's not getting the targets. And you saw the Browns starting to cape, the Browns media specifically, and the Browns fans, in conjunction with the media, copping all the pleas for Baker. It even got to the point where there was people who have some sort of credibility saying, Baker's too short. He can't see Odell. That was the football analysis. That was the breakdown. After breaking down the all 22, that's what they figured out. Somehow, Baker's too short to see Odell, but Juice Landry, fresh off the injury list, is getting all the targets in the world. He can see him. He can see Njoku when he's actually healthy and he's out there. He can see everybody else. He can see Kareem Hunt on the checkdowns. But for some reason, Odell can't see him. He can't see someone who's open 70% of the time. But he can see a possession receiver like Juice Landry. Make it make sense. Because it doesn't to me. I'll give you some slack if you want to say, look, man, we, we don't know if Odell is really back to being Odell. You know, because if you look at the career trajectory he had, especially after those first three years with the Giants before he got hurt, it looked like he was going to be an automatic Hall of Famer. His trajectory, I mean, look, he, he personally extended the career of that fraudulent Hall of Famer, Eli Manning. Odell did that. Eli was out of here. Eli, whose whole career is up and down and sus, especially if you look at him as a starter. I mean, he started for 14 years. He has seven winning seasons. But guess what that also means? He has seven losing seasons as a starter. Nothing says 500 more than Eli Manning. 
we make fun of Jeff Fisher being Mr. 79. If you look at Eli Manning and his trajectory and his stats, he is epitome of 8 and 8. The epitome of it. But that's for a future trash narrative. But Odell personally dragged that decaying carcass of a QB over the last few years of his career, extended it by giving him a target. Look, just throw it up, dog. You see what I do? One hand or two hands. It don't matter. Just throw it up. The targets went up every year. The receptions went up every year. Eli looked competent. Looked competent enough until they traded Odell. I mean, they used him as a scapegoat for why the team overall wasn't winning, wasn't performing. They used his emotional outburst to get him about the paint. And we've seen now, with the way that that front office, that organization, that ownership group, specifically how the Maras move, that there was no way in hell Odell was going to be a lifelong giant because he likes to taunt. And any emotional outburst goes against the giant way. We talk about the Patriots way all the time. Trust and believe. As someone who's been around that organization and has known people even in the front office or kin to people in the front office, that organization moves a certain way and there is a specific way that they want their players to move. After those three years, after that Hall of Fame trajectory looked to be a sure first ballot, no doubt about it, Hall of Fame career on the way. We're we're about to witness possibly the greatest giant of all time outside of Lawrence Taylor. That's what it looked like. He looked to be that good and that elite. Then he gets hurt. Then he struggles to bounce back and down. Even he can't save the decaying carcass of Eli Manning. So much so that Ben McAdoo actually had the balls to bench him to break that ridiculous streak that somehow means something to people. Ben McAdoo actually thought my man's Geno, Eugene Smith, was a better option than the decaying carcass of Eli Manning. And he was right in that decision. He got roasted for it and ultimately, I think, fired for it. But he made the right decision because after that next year, it was clear that it was a wrap. You could look at his numbers and say he had a decent last year as a starter, but ultimately it was a wrap for Eli. It was a wrap when McAdoo benched him for Geno, and it was a wrap before that. And the only reason why it wasn't so abundantly clear that it was a wrap before that was because he had Odell. He had an elite number one target that was going to be on the way to being a transcendent figure. And still kind of low-key is a transcendent figure, even with all the injuries, even with going to Cleveland and not being able to get enough targets in. Somehow this short QB that was thought to be the number one overall pick can't find him because somehow find possession receivers, slot receivers, tight ends, checkdowns, but can't find the most dangerous athlete on the field most times. Make it make sense. They made a mistake in taking Baker number one. They have compounded it, much like how the Bears, in season one of Trash Narrative, they made a mistake at who they took at QB. 
They took Mitsubishi Mitch at QB. And then they compounded it by trading for Khalil Mack when the team wasn't ready to win, not win a championship, because they blew the QB pick. Same thing in Cleveland. They took the wrong QB and they compounded it by trading for Odell, thinking the team was ready to win when they weren't because they picked the wrong QB. Baker said he felt the way about Odell's pops putting that 11-minute video or repurposing that 11-minute video of Odell just running wide open or being open and not being hit. I mean, Baker, yeah, you're playing through injuries. The offensive line hasn't been the greatest at times. But, I mean, dogs, you got all the weapons in the world. Cleveland, the last two seasons, has supposed to have been something. The offense is there. Miles Garrett is an absolute monster. He finally seems to be bouncing back after COVID. Leading the league in sacks, he damn near could break the sack record at the pace he's at right now. So Miles Garrett is back. The offense, Stefanski, a lot's been made about it. They run the ball hellas when they want to. Most times they run the ball hellas. If you're running the ball like that with Chubb and Kareem Hunt when healthy, I don't know how you can pass the ball down the field. When you have Nick Chubb, who now with this extended season potentially could go for 2K every year, the way they run the rock. I don't know how that doesn't open up passing lanes. I don't know how that doesn't open up play action. I don't know how that doesn't open up sluggos. I don't know how that doesn't open up easy routes. The route tree should be pretty easy for someone with the skill set of Odell Beckham. The route tree should be pretty simple if you're going to continue to run the rock and establish the run the way that the Browns normally do when healthy. But yet and still, Odell is out here basically running wind sprints. He's running wind sprints. When he's running the non-route, he know he ain't getting it. He know he ain't getting it. And at times we've seen him this season make business decisions like, dog, I'm not, I'm not laying out. <laughs> Why am I laying out? Oh, you want me to go across the middle? Yeah, I'm not going to do that, bro. Because for as much as we talk about completion percentage, and I think most of that is a myth because a lot of these passes are so short. These short routes are inflating QB's completion percentages. Like I think uh, your man's white uh, from the Jets. What, he had the highest completion, the highest amount of completions in NFL history? I think it was like him and Cam Newton or something like that in their debut or whatever, or something like that. I, I could be mixed up the stats there, but whatever. He, so, he set some sort of record or tied a record in terms of how many completions he had in his debut. But if you break down the numbers, it only turns out to be like four yards of completion. <laughs> so it's like the numbers in totality look great. If you're just looking at the box score and judging people off a of box score, it looks great. But then you look at yards per attempt, the yards per completion, and it's four yards, and it's like, dog, what are we doing here? And there's a lot of that with Baker. I mean, Juice Landry is a possession receiver. He's giving us six yards, six, seven yards. 
he's almost Jason Witten. Juice Landry, the way he's been used, whether it was Miami and now in Cleveland, they've tried to stretch the field deeper with him, pause. But I mean, primarily, he's just a possession receiver. He could be black Jason Witten, the way he's being used in Cleveland. You need five yards, Juice will get you six. Third and eight, Juice will get you nine. But you try to take the top off the defense, I don't know if that's Juice. And for a guy with his pedigree, I mean, I, I'm not saying he's a burner. Don't, don't get me wrong. But there's guys who can, you know, Allen Robinson's not a burner. But even he could be a deep threat. Juice Landry, for whatever reason, whether it's speed, although Allen Robinson's not taking the top off the defense, but he's also a beast. It's just something about that offense. That's not clicking right. When you look at the Browns on paper, they have the assets. They have the stud on defense. Denzel Ward's a good corner. I know he's been in and out of the lineup. And that offense, when you look at it, they look like they have pro bowlers all over the place. Njoku should be a pro bowl tight end. I don't know if he's good or not. I still don't know. And that's that's what you can't figure out when you mess up the QB pick. Because you don't know who's good or not. Isn't Joku good? Looks good in the weight room. He's wearing, he's still wearing crop top, so he's, he's, he's in the gym. But is he an actual good tight end? I have no idea. Because his quarterback, when Njoku's actually on the field, which is a whole other thing, but even when Njoku is healthy, his quarterback's not really targeting him that much. So like you're telling me he's not open either? We got Odell open 70% of the time. But yet Juice getting all the targets. I would love to know if how open is Njoku. Is he open 50% of the time? 60% of the time? And Bigger, Bigger can't find him either? The passing lanes ain't ain't wide enough. He has to roll out the pocket every goddamn time to see somebody down the field streaking. It's scary hours in Cleveland. And the scary hours start with the fact that they blew it when he drafted Baker Mayfield. I can go a few directions when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. I can try to do what Jay Williams did to the overworked and underpaid, now hiding behind the paywall. Finally completed his big three. Fraud A. Smith. I could go the route of Jay Williams and say, hey, keep the same energy. Kill A-Rod like you did Kyrie. I can go the blue check boy way, which is everyone is running around saying, hey, how come no one ever brought this up? I mean, he only said it at a press conference. <laughs> How come nobody brought this up? Because uh, y'all weren't paying attention because you're too busy sucking at the teat of being around Aaron Rodgers. So there's a couple of ways we can do this Aaron Rodgers thing. I would just like to bring this part up. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I guess let me let me set the scene for you in case you haven't heard. So by and large, a vast majority of NFL players caught COVID 
And I'm blaming Halloween. I'm blaming Halloween. Dudes were out there wearing costume masks instead of actual COVID masks and ran around the streets or went to parties or whatever and mingled and got in close quarters and took pics. And your man Rogers was out here, John Wick, bouncing the poo shiesty and out here and caught that Rona. What, like 13 Giants caught the Rona? There's college players catching the Rona. Everyone's catching the Rona. And I'm blaming Halloween. So Halloween turned into a super spreader event. And your man's A-Rod not only caught the Rona, but it was unearthed in the fact of him catching the Rona that he can't play. He can't play this week because Aaron Rodgers is not faxed. And all the blue check boys fainted. The blue check boys were fainting left and right. Not Aaron. Even you, Aaron? Yes, even Aaron. I mean, you don't watch his movements? I mean, people are seeing it now. But I mean, he rocks with Breitbart. And if you know, you know. I mean, just because he rocks with Pat McAfee and he goes on Levitard and all this other stuff, it looks like, oh, man, Rogers is cool. Oh, look at him. He's dressed like John Wick. He's bouncing the push icy. Like, word, he's he's on it. Oh, but he also goes on Breitbart. He's one of those free thinkers. He's white Kyrie. So in essence of the Jay Williams take, I get it. And part of that is true. Aaron Rodgers is one of those dudes. He's also the dude that his own family don't like him. (laughs) So he's also that dude as well. So there's a lot of layers here when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, and it just repeats the thing. I've been saying, we don't know these dudes, which ties into why I'm anti-fandom, because it's a mental illness, because imagine if you were really into Aaron Rodgers and you believed in the mythology of not only how great of a football player and a quarterback Aaron Aaron Rodgers is, but just as a dude. Discount double check. State Farm commercials. Told the Bears and the majorly white fan base and their majorly black players, I own you. Make of that what you will. Does that hit a little different now? (laughs) Anywho. But this is the dude that was idolized by and large by the mass media. Greatest quarterback of all time. With one Super Bowl. But you blame the front office. It's never Aaron. Even though he's been the beneficiary of some sus calls along the way. Hi, Des. Still, just the one Super Bowl. But Aaron Rodgers was asked months ago about the vax and about COVID and things of that matter. And he got right to the shits. He seemingly didn't duck the question, but he told his truth. He spoke his truth and no one called him on it. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance on, on vaccinations? Yeah, I've been immunized. 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 I'm immunized. I've been immunized. So again, the reporter asked the question straightforward and direct. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance you vaccinated? on vaccinations? Yeah, I've been immunized. No, no, no. He asked, are you vaccinated? I've been immunized. No, no, no. That's not what he's asking you. 
are you vaccinated? Yeah, I've been immunized. It's not the same thing. Yeah, I've been immunized. It's not. Yeah, I've been immunized. It's not. Yeah, I've been immunized. What are we doing here? He said this at a press conference. This wasn't somebody on the street. This wasn't locker room talk. This wasn't caught him in the hallway, in the tunnel. This was at a podium in a press conference with cameras recording and multiple audio devices rolling. Yeah, I've been immunized. And there was no follow-up. Yeah, I've been immunized. The mass media. Yeah, I've been immunized. Blue Check Boys. Yeah, I've been immunized. Schefter. Yeah, I've been immunized. Rappaport. Yeah, I've been immunized. Nobody followed up. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance on, on vaccinations? Yeah. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance on, on vaccinations? Are you vaccinated? Listen to how clear and direct on, on the question is. Are you vaccinated? And what, are, are you vaccinated? Are you vaccinated? Are you vaccinated? And what, are you vaccinated? I've been immunized. Are you vaccinated? And what, I've been immunized. What? Are you vaccinated? I've been immunized. How do you get away are with you that? Vaccinated? And what, I've been immunized. How do you get are away you with vaccinated it? Vaccinated? And what's your stance on, on vaccinations? Yeah, I've been immunized. It, it's it's laughable. And now, Jordan Love, good luck, son. <laughs> if only the Chiefs were really rolling and playing like the Chiefs. I mean, this, this, this couldn't be a worse spot for Jordan Love. I don't think he'll be bad, but I mean, it's a tough spot. But the fact of the matter is, depending how this goes, he might get two weeks out of this. He might get two weeks out of this. There's a strong possibility, or let, let me change that. It's a remote possibility that Rodgers could miss two weeks because he went running around here with the John Wick, with the Pusheisty, and caught that Rona. And now he's stuck at the crib, and when he comes back, ooh, boy, they're going to light his ass up. They, I mean, he's already getting lit up on Twitter specifically, but when he comes back, he's going to have to explain how come he's using the same type of rhetoric as those like a Kai, like a Cole Beasley, like a Carson Wentz, like all these types of dudes, Ryan Tannehill, these dudes don't want to get vaxxed. Saying you're immunized basically means you already had the Rona. Ain't no way around that. So this is now, who knows how many times. I guess we could... Safe to say, it's at least the second time he's caught the Rona. Yeah, I've been immunized. Because you can't say yeah, I've been immunized. if you haven't caught the Rona before. Yeah, I've been immunized. So the fact that he's saying yeah, I've been immunized. means he's had a Rona before. Yeah, I've been immunized. So when he's asked, Are you vaccinated? Yeah, I've been you immunized. can't say that. Are you vaccinated? Yeah, I've been immunized. Are you vaccinated? Yeah, I've been immunized. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do here about Aaron Rodgers besides laugh. <laughs> and point at the blue check boys who feel like their hearts just got broken. We're going to laugh at them. And then we're going to look at the Packer fans and be like, say, bruh, you've had a lot of winning. You've had a lot of great Hall of Fame QB play. But you've only got two chips to show for it, one each. For the Wayfarers cheat, Brett Favre. And now the Aaron Rodgers, who isn't even liked by his own family. I mean, was it worth it? (laughs) Was it worth it to have your heroes, one, be a welfare cheat who shows dick pics to beat reporters? And there's other things, but I don't have the time to get into all the Brett Favre shit. 
And now we're getting into A-Rod, who thinks of himself as a free thinker, who thinks of himself as a, when he walks into the room, he feels he's the smartest person in the room. He's that dude. He's that guy. I mean, dog, he thought he could replace Alex Trebek. <laughs> he thought he could host Jeopardy. When he was doing that holdout and his mans in them sent the word out to Schefter and all the other boot check boys about, hey, I'm not pulling up. But what you can't find me is you can find me trying out for Jeopardy. So he obviously thinks that highly of himself. So not liked by his own family. Caught the COVID multiple times now. Still think he's a free thinker. He's out here running around with Breitbart, running around with McAfee. And if you do your Googles or your more, if you want some privacy, your goes on McAfee, there's some things there. But we'll leave that alone. This is who your man's just rolling with. So that Packer fan base that thinks highly of itself. And one thing I'll say, I actually noticed some black Packer fans, and I would love to know how that happened. (laughs) I would love to know how that happened. If you've ever been to Green Bay, I haven't, but I know a lot of people who have. I just don't know how that happened. Maybe you were a really big Reggie White fan. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe Bad Moon Rising in that whole Super Bowl run, if you look at that one chip that Favre did get off, it was a heavily black team. Maybe that's what did it. I don't know. But that was something I did notice the last game uh, the Packers played in Lambeau. I was like, oh, there's way more bros than normal in the stands. Anywho. Why did Aaron Rodgers lie? Or did he actually lie? That's something we have to consider. If you're asked the question, are you vaccinated? Are you vaccinated? And you answer, I've been immunized. I mean, he's not lying, but he's also not telling the truth. He's answering the question. He's just not answering the question with the truth. So when you ask, are you vaccinated? And you answer, I've been immunized. It's not a lie per se. There's still people, obviously, with this Aaron Rodgers news and some of the people that have come to his support. I mean, look, if Kyrie could have people pulling up the Barclays, what do you think is going to happen at Lambeau? <laughs> what do you think is going to happen at Lambeau if Kai could have them pulling up to Barclays and actually getting into rumbles on the streets on Atlantic? What you think is going to happen at Lambeau on Lombardi Way? Is the point fraud a racist magnet? I'll ask that again. Is the point fraud a racist magnet? Does the point fraud have a weird relationship to where he seems to find himself always around racist owners. Racist, misogynistic, homophobic, whatever mixed bag you want to put it in. You could make a case that every stop the point fraud has been in, he's had a problematic owner. You want to go to the Hornets? Even when they were being run by David Stern, and y'all know how I feel about David Stern, it's always fuck David Stern on this side. There's some things there. 
and who they were eventually sold to. Talk about that. Then he went to the Clippers and they actually, you know, obviously had Donald Sterling and everything that came with that. Then where did he go? Houston? Was your man for Teta? He said some things. OKC? Look into that ownership group. If you're LGBTQ, uh, you might want to do some investigations into that OKC ownership base. The group that moved them from Seattle. Yeah, those th- those people. You might want to do some investigations there. And now he goes to Phoenix with your man's Robert Sarver. So I'll ask the question again. Is the point fraud a racist magnet? Or, more directly, does he have an affinity for racist owners? I'll just leave that there. But Robert Sarver has been out here hiding in plain sight to reference an old pod. He's been hiding in plain sight because a lot of this information and we're getting the details. The four letter network did a long expose. They kind of teased it about a week or so ago. And the Phoenix Suns organization ran the cop please just off the tease. <laughs> they, they tried to get so far in front of it. They jumped out the window and said it was a lie just off the tease of what was coming. So that lets you know how serious it was when the organization is already copping, please, just off the wind that, yo, something's coming. So the Fallout the Network drops its story. They interviewed 70-plus current and former employees of the Phoenix Suns during the 17-year Robert Sarver tenure. And boy, there's some gems. Uh, just like how, you know, we spoke about with John Gruden, how we have insinuated heavily with the Washington football team. There is racism. There is misogyny. Now, in this Robert Sarver thing, I didn't see any homophobia. Uh, but it's just it's just a really horrific. And I guess the, the buzzword is toxic workplace that he has oversaw in Phoenix. First of all, salute to Earl Watson, who is someone that, you know, you can ask the homie Greg Larnard every time I come on his show and there's a coach that gets fired and he asks me, yo, who should be the next? I always bring up Earl Watson. He said, Earl Watson deserves another chance. I always say it. Earl Watson deserves another chance to be a head coach. It's not his fault. He had to work with a racist owner that drops N-bombs or ask why he can't say the word N-word even though it should be quite clear why he shouldn't, you can say whatever word you want. Let, let me start there. So the whole N-word thing. Just like anything, like I've said here, life is about choices. And the words you say coincide with the choices you make. You can say whatever word you want. The other side of that is, you also have to be ready to deal with the consequences of saying those words. And I've seen people that should not morally or justly say the N-word. I've seen them say the N-word 
and I've seen them get handled for saying the N-word. And we've all also seen people that should not be saying the N-word, white people, and also Hispanics, but that's a whole nother issue. We've seen white people specifically say the N-word in public, and it's about a 50-50 ratio of whether to get away with it. I mean, for every Donald Sterling, you got four or five Riley Coopers. So the ratio isn't as great as you think it would be. But Robert Sarver wants to know how come Draymond Green, a.k.a. the habitual nut hitter, gets to drop in bombs, but he can't. And Watson just told him straight up, you can't say that word. Robert Sarver repeated, saying, well, how come I can't say N-word? And Earl Watson reiterated, Yo, you can't say that word. And you know who else had to hear that type of rhetoric and nonsense from Robert Sarver? Corliss Williamson, a.k.a. Big Nasty. And some of y'all might not know how Big Nasty gave it up back in the day. Big Nasty was a problem. And Big Nasty looked like a problem, more importantly. If you draw up the prototypical angry black man from about the mid nineties, you would get Corliss Williamson in one of those police sketches. He looked like Suge Knight without the heft. He looked like an in shape Suge Knight, (laughs) big nasty. That's the type of time he was on. So imagine an NBA power forward NCAA champion with the Arkansas Razorbacks, Corliss Williamson having to hear from this billionaire, This rich man's son, guess what Sarver is? Sarver comes from money. He made his money in banking, but he was set up because his pops had already made the bread. He just tripled his worth by starting his own bank. He got a head start on life. So imagine you're big nasty. You're a 6'8 in shape. Well, 60 might be a little generous, but his name is Big Nasty, so I I won't short him. But in the league... We, we got to find out he wasn't 6'8", but let's just say he's still 6'8". So you have a 6'8", in-shape Suge Knight-looking dude, and his nickname is Big Nasty. <laughs> and you have a rich man's son who claims to be self-made asking you, Hey, how come I can't call you one of the worst things I could call you and people of your culture? What do you do if you're Coles Williamson? What do you do if you're Big Nasty? And Coles Williamson told him, yo, bro, you lucky I'm not on that type of time. You're lucky you're dealing with me. Because there will be a lot of other dudes that will be running to the press, running to whoever to report your ass for what you're saying and how you're wowing out here. But you're lucky you're dealing with me who can take the time to break this shit down to you of why you shouldn't move like this. But imagine, you're big nasty and you had to be the bigger person than the man who is a billionaire, rich man's son who has ostracized himself deliberately from society, but yet wants to come into the locker room and make things a frat house. Wants to be one of the guys. 
Because ultimately, and you see this when it comes to Sterling, to a lesser extent, you see, see this when it comes to Cuban. If you want to go to NFL, you definitely see this when it comes to Snyder. Being an owner is cool and it has its perks. But in the NBA, it's still about the players. <laughs> it's still about the players. The players epitomize the cool, not you. All your billions, all your ownership groups, your LLCs, your offshore accounts, all that shit don't mean nothing if you're the matrix. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything, bro. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, let's let's keep it real here. Who's going to get more play? The dude who's a billionaire, runs everything, owns everything. People tremble when he walks by. There's code words security uses to let people know he's in the building. That guy? Or the guy that everyone in his world knows as the Matrix? Stat. Thunder Dan. D-Book. Steve Nash didn't have a nickname, but Steve Nash. He's not as cool. So he comes into the locker room and he wants to be one of the guys. He wants to feel that locker room atmosphere. So he comes in and talks about, hey, look at my wife. This is how she gives me head. Hey, do you shave your balls? And apparently that was like a thing of his. He would come into the locker room and start conversations about inappropriate shit like that. Asking other grown men, his players, who he probably doesn't view as his grown men, probably look at them as more as objects. Hey, do you shave your balls? When I shaved my balls, it made my wife want to give me head more. These are the conversations he's having. Now, while you may be able to get some shit off like that in the locker room, the owner trying to get that off just makes it awkward as hell. Imagine your boss. Take it out of the locker room. Imagine you're shooting the shit at work. Imagining you're still actually physically at a workspace. And you're the owner of the company, not even your boss. The owner of the company comes up to you and starts telling you how he got his balls shaved and now his wife gives him head more. And then ask you, are your balls shaved? Do you manscape? No ad. Imagine. What are you doing? What do you do? The owner, not your direct superior. The owner is asking you if you shave your balls. This is what players had to deal with when it came to Robert Sarver and the Phoenix Suns organization. Now, an organization that's been lauded over the years for their tremendous training staff and facilities. But also a problematic owner who's been hiding in plain sight for 17 years. The misogyny here is horrific. The misogyny here is sadly akin to what happened with the Mavericks in Dallas. Hi, Mark Cuban. And maybe that's why Mark Cuban was vehemently against Donna Sterling losing his team because he knew what was coming for his organization. But I digress. 
The misogyny is akin to what's going on or what has been going on in Washington with the football team and Daniel Snyder, who on paper is not running the team, but as someone who was there a few weeks ago, the message of whatever he wants is still going on, whether it's through his wife or whoever, that Snyder name still rings bells at FedEx Field. The misogyny was so bad that multiple, multiple women who have dealt with workplace harassment or sexual harassment felt they were on the verge of suicide. Suicide. From the toxic workplace atmosphere that Robert Sarver oversaw. I mean, can you imagine feeling like you are so mistreated at work that you want to end your life because you have no allies. Because it's not just Sarver. And that's something that's been, you know, that was also brought about in these interviews with over 70 current and former employees of the Phoenix Suns organization. It's not just Sarver. He enabled the toxic workplace, but it's not just him. His underlings moved the same way he did continue the same traditions that he started, had the same attitudes and philosophy that he put forth. Real sad shit. Real sad shit. And I would really like to know what the league can do. Now, it's two sides. Should he lose his team or should he keep his team? And this is what Mark Cuban talked about. He said, look, if you could just start taking dudes' teams away because of things they've said or done, that's a really dangerous precedent. Well, guess what? Adam Silver was fresh on the gig after David Stern, fuck David Stern, uh, ran away and retired right before the Sterling shit came out, which they all knew was coming. And they all knew about, and Stern basically incubated Sterling for the entirety of his tenure, but okay, okay. Stern's a genius, though. Silver did the thing he was supposed to do and got Sterling the fuck up out of there. Now, of course, he had player support. And you would have thought it would have been the leader of men, the point fraud, but it really wasn't. Remember, remember they were supposed to boycott that playoff game against the Dubs, and the Dubs were with it. If you reference the Andre Iguodala memoir, they talk about how they were waiting on the point fraud of them to just say the word. We done. We, we not playing. Or we want to protest. However you want to do it. We want to walk out together. However you want to do it. Y'all set the word. And the leader of men, coach on the floor, decided let's turn our warm-up jerseys inside out and still play. Right. So anywho, they got Sterling up out of there. They took his team away. Got $2 billion for it. So he still won. He lost. He's out the limelight. He'll forever be that guy. But he's $2 billion richer. Now you have Robert Sarver, who's already a billionaire. Can they take his team away? And if they take his team away, how much is he going to get? Is there a way... Because this is where, to me, it's actually a punishment for these owners. 
I don't know what type of legal thing you would have to do, but just like there's wrongful termination in contracts, just like the Raiders got Henry Ruggs up out of here for the tragic shit that he went through. There needs to be a clause in these ownership deals like a wrongful termination. Because the fact that Sterling got to walk away with $2 billion after being a racist for the entirety of his tenure as the Clipper owner is a travesty. So the fact that Robert Sarver, who's a billionaire already, can stand to make more billions just because he got caught, is that really a punishment? I know there's a notion of how much money is too much money. I mean, if you're a billionaire and I could get 1.5 to go away, that's a win. That's not a loss. I'm still Robert Sarver. I'm still the man in the Phoenix area by and large. I'm still that guy. I'm still going to run shit because my billions speak for me. And you're going to give me 1.5 on the way out? That I'll see the majority of because I could write off all of it damn near. You're going to give me that to go away? How's that punishment? How is that a loss? Is there a way to put wrongful termination type language in ownership deals? Because I'm telling you. Making an owner sell a team. Even though it's an an appreciating asset, even though on their tax returns, they'll tell you it's a depreciating asset, which is the trick bag. The loss is that you can't just sit on it and just watch the appreciation go. Just continue to skyrocket. You don't get part of the revenue. You don't get any of that. But you still get 1.5. That's not a loss. That's not going to stop his lifestyle. If anything, it's going to increase it, improve it. What can actually be done to hurt an owner? You want to take the limelight away? You want to take the shine away and think that's enough? Take the team and the access away? Like, remember, with the Sterling thing, at first, it wasn't the the quickest boot. At first, it just took, you don't run the team no more. Your wife's going to run the team. So he couldn't go to the stadium. You know, he lost his privileges in that respect. His wife ran the team. Well, but we know what was really happening. His wife was doing his bidding, just like in Washington. The wife is doing Daniel Snyder's bidding, even though on paper he's not the owner. Or he's not the day-to-day, he can't run shit. So, you could do that. But then what? That's not enough. For creating a a toxic workplace so much so that women wanted to kill themselves? For minority employees to feel they were being ostracized, that they were being poked at on the regular, that they were being made fun of, that they were being used as tokens. The fact that stand up dudes like Earl Watson and Corliss Big Nasty Williamson felt like they just needed to get away. Just get away. Because Earl Watson, I feel before he just got this gig, like it took this information, this story for me to realize that Earl Watson finally got back in the league. 
he was blackballed for a minute after he got fired as the Suns coach. And like I always say, go talk to D book about Earl Watson and how he really helped his development. Earl Watson was out here and there was all these jobs available and I would never hear Earl Watson's name. And I'm like, well, how come that's weird. Earl Watson was a known player, solid player, never a star, solid player. Showed some acumen as a coach. And even after he got fired as son's coach, he kind of went away for a little bit. I think he did some some TV work, as most dudes who get fired as a coach do for a little bit, just to keep some bread coming in. But then I think even that went away. He would pull up on IG and he would be breaking shit down on IG. Break it down tape, break it down film. And he was showing you the acumen. And I'm like, yo, this dude knows what he's talking about. Why isn't he coaching? So it took all of this for me to find out he was finally able to get back in the league, but now only as an assistant coach in Toronto with Nick Nurse. Am I to believe that Robert Sarver may or may not have played a part in the Earl Watson not being able to get a job all these years? I mean, after you see the highlights, if you I don't know if you've read the whole thing, it's, it's a lot to read. Even if you just take the highlights of what we've been breaking down here with the how way he's moving, you think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that Sarver put the call out, don't hire Earl? Big Nasty's never gotten a chance. He's bounced around as an assistant coach for a while. I mean, all these things come into play. What should the league do? They're going to take the team away. Then what? What does that mean? They take the team away. Another rich dude comes in and buys the team. And that doesn't really mean anything. Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers. We would like to believe to a certain degree Steve Ballmer is better than Donald Sterling. I mean, it's not a high bar, right? It's a pretty low bar to reach. But in essence of improving the workplace, are the Clippers better for it? I know the value of the team's gone up and they finally breaking ground on that Inglewood Stadium and all of that shit. But I mean, what do we really know? about the Clippers front office in the workplace environment. Ballmer doesn't seem to be a racist, but I mean, there's stories at Microsoft. Just saying. DuckDuckGo is your friend. So they don't take the team away. They fine him, which again, doesn't mean anything because he's a billionaire. The product on the floor doesn't really matter because the point fraud gave him a discount. D-Book already got his bag. He's refusing to pay DeAndre Ayton. And Monty Williams is the middle of the road in terms of how much he gets paid a year as a coach. So, I mean, the bread is, he's, 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 he's killing when it comes to the bag. The bag is the bag. And it's a depreciating asset on the book. So he's really caking like this. How do you hurt Robert Sarver? It's essentially what I'm getting at. 
If they take the team away, he's going to get billions on the way out. If you don't take the team away, you're going to find him a insignificant amount of money that wouldn't really matter. Even if you find him a what would be considered significant money to us, it wouldn't be to him. So how do you hurt a man who's in a position of power and wealth that absolves him from feeling what by and large to the public would be significant punishments? How do you do it? Ostracized? He won't be. His family's legacy is in that area. His legacy is in that area. So he gets ostracized to what? His compound? It's a tricky thing. Adam Silver, this one is not as clear cut as Donald Sterling. Even though the stories are similar to degree. Even though there's a lot of similar things. Look, you have a point fraud that's involved. You have a former player that's as coach that has kind of tap danced about saying the right thing. Like Monty, look, Monty's been through a lot. We all know that. But Monty's not really saying a lot because what can you say? I mean, Doc Rivers pretty much moved the same way when all the Sterling shit was going down. So there's some similarities here, but the fact of the matter is, can the players do something? If the players protest, I mean, this ain't the playoffs. This ain't, it's it's a different time. If the play, if the Suns were to protest, what would that mean? What, they're not going to play? That hurts their money. That doesn't hurt Sarver's money. Like, that's the thing. It really just comes down to the bag. How do you stop Sarver's bag? Sarver's bag. That's what I'm saying. I think going forward, there needs to be language in these ownership agreements that gives the league an out to where they can get somebody about to paint and they not get paid. If just they treat them like players. Treat them like players. They're, they need to be held to the same responsibility as players. There's codes, there's guidelines, there's ethics that they're supposed to be following just as much as players. Being an owner, in essence, is a job. I know that I know that's going to fuck up a lot of entrepreneurs. Being an owner is a job. So when you're an owner, you have a job. And in that job, you have to be able to, you know, stand up to a certain workplace ethos, ethic, morale, code, whatever you want to call it, rules and regulations, whatever you want to call it in that job. The problem is Adam Silver's job is being oversaw by Robert Sarver and all the other owners. So if you're Adam Silver and one of your bosses was caught wowing, what can you do? When it came to Sterling, the other owners didn't really fuck with Sterling like that. They were kind of like, all right, word, get, get him up out of here. We are empowering you to get Sterling up out of here. Sarver, I don't know if they feel that way with him. Look, he's been hiding in plain sight. You know, when I was doing a lot of NBA stuff back in the day, like that was known even then. Like the Stoudemire Matrix, that was known then. So, I mean, 
you know, this ain't really news to a lot of us in the NBA community. But I mean, now that it's out here on Front Street, if you're Adam Silver, what can you really do? If the other owners don't on the low empower you to get him up out of here, then what? So there's a lot of layers here. You take the team away, he still gets paid on the way out. You don't take the team away, you find him, it doesn't mean nothing. Those are the only two lanes. What are the other owners going to allow Adam Silver to do? Because that's the dynamic here. Don't ever get that twisted. What are the other owners, his other bosses, going to allow Adam Silver to do to one of their constituents? Because if you, if you tell me, James Dolan, let's say James Dolan gets caught out there. I'm not going to say what I've heard about James Dolan. Let me just tell you straight up. And he kind of gave you some of his own truth during the summer. Uh, not this past summer, but the summer before the pandemic quarantine summer. He told his truth about how he struggled. They, the Knicks organization couldn't even say Black Lives Matter. Dolan could understand why the organization had to say it. So he gave you a glimpse of what type of time he was on. So I've heard similar things, even worse things, more than just the whole, I don't know why we have to say Black Lives Matter. There's worse stuff there with James Dolan. Now, whether someone has the balls like Earl Watson and Corliss Williamson to put their name on it and speak on it outside of someone like Oak, who might have an ax to grind because of what happened to him, I don't know. But I'm telling you, there could be more there with someone like the the Knicks and James Dolan. So if that happens, if that becomes a thing, you think Adam Silver's got the guts to take the Knicks away from Dolan? Now that's the play. Because Dolan ain't leaving. You could take the team away from him. Dolan ain't leaving. You think Dolan's leaving the Garden? The Garden. No fucking way. You can't take his seats away. You can't take his seats away. Like Sarver tonight, they put the camera on his seats. The seats is empty. He ain't pull up to the arena. When Sterling, you know, I told you how they basically moved the day-to-day operations to the wife. He didn't show up for games. He didn't show up to his seats. I don't think Dolan, Dolan's showing up, bro. Dolan is pulling up. Dolan's pulling up. So that's why it's a case-by-case basis. Sterling, you could take the team away because the other owners didn't fuck with Son. And Sterling didn't really have the power. He was an older man. He didn't really have the type of... He, he wasn't on it. Young Sterling might, might have been different. Sarver ain't that old. But I don't see him having the same type of gumption like how I think of James Dolan would. James Dolan, you ain't moving him. And he's very similar to Sarver. Rich man's son. It's a lot, it's a lot of similarities. I'll just say that. It's a lot of similarities between Sarver and Dolan. Would Silver have the guts? I don't think so. I don't think so. So should the Suns be taken away? Yes. Will they? It's really hard to tell right now. It's it's a mix. I've been texting some people. It's it's everyone has an opinion. But no one has has a definitive answer. No one has. It's it's really on silver. Which really means it's really on the other owners. 
how does your role as a point guard, how do you feel like you need to help guide that? Only so much I can do without the ball in my hand. I just sit in the corner. Mm. Um, we run in plays for our best players. Every team knows that. We, you know, uh, they do a good job of shutting that down. I mean, you know, we, we can't allow that. You know, when they shut that down, we can't keep trying to go to those guys. We've got to, you know, abort that. You know, every team knows we're trying to go to Jason and Jalen. And every team is programmed and ready to stop Jason and Jalen. Right. I think everybody's scouting court is make those guys try to pass the ball. They don't want to pass the ball. And it's mm. something that they're going to learn. They're still learning. <laughs> you know, and we're proud of the, the, you know, the progress they're making, but they're going to have to make another step and find ways to not only create for themselves, but create for others on this team. Okay, so that was Marcus Smart after um, the Celtics tricked off a huge lead to the Bulls and lost late. And Marcus Smart said the thing. And I think something that we need more and more of is people saying the thing that others are scared to say. And Marcus Smart said the thing. You heard him. Tatum and Brown ain't passing the ball. Now, while he said Tatum and Brown, truth be told, to me, I only heard Tatum. (laughs) Okay? So, you know, I've been kind of throwing Tatum's name out here as I think uh, what on, on the NBA preview roundtable Tatum's name came up as an MVP candidate potentially and I'm just not a Tatum guy I know a lot of people are um, I'm more of a Jalen Brown guy that's kind of where what what type of time I'm on I like two-way players that's always gonna be my thing basketball is a two-way sport by design so I will always uh, lean heavily in favor of players that identify in that same type of fashion. So Tatum is brought in as a guy. He's brought up often as a guy that's supposed to be top 10 or potentially top five even. Um, I don't see it. I see the skill set. The skill set is there. He's fundamentally there. But in terms of actuality, in terms of performance, I, I don't see I don't see top five. I don't see his top five. I don't even see top 10, but that's me. That's me and my opinion. So Marcus Smart said the thing. And while everyone jumped on it and said, oh, man, that's that's a damning indictment of Tatum and Brown. I looked a little deeper. I think that's a indictment on Mr. Nia Long. And there's nothing wrong with being Mr. Nia Long. Let's let's be clear. But I think that's an indictment on the coaching. And you have a new coach that's getting his first opportunity to be a head coach. And your starting point guard is admitting to the media that all we do is call plays for Jalen and Jason. That's what I heard. I didn't hear Tatum and Brown don't pass a lot. But if we do, I'm hearing that more so about Tatum than Brown. But I ultimately heard, yo, all we do is call plays for Tatum and Brown. And that ain't going to cut it. And guess what? That ain't going to cut it. And, you know, if you look at what Jason Tatum is, when you see players pattern themselves after certain players, it kind of lets you know what their trajectory is. Tatum absolutely loves Kobe. Loves Kobe. Trained with him, worked out with him, all of that. Patterned his game after him. And while there's only one Kobe, and it's always RIP Mamba, GG the whole nine. Y'all also know how I feel about Kobe as a basketball player. 
And that's not the most conducive to teammates. And I think even if Kobe was still here, even he'd tell you that. So Tatum is patterning his game after Kobe, which is very much iso ball, which is very much give me the rock and get out the way, which is very much fourth quarter. It's my rock. It's my time. I'm the man. I take all the big shots. And what do you do when the guy who thinks he's that, the guy who thinks he's Kobe-esque, is shooting 17% from three (laughs) and keep shooting them? What do you do when the guy who thinks he's Kobe and patterns his game after Kobe is shooting 32% from the floor? What do you do? If you're the point guard and you want to move the ball around, but the guy who's getting plays call for him all the goddamn time is shooting 32% from the floor and 17 from three. And he's not even getting to the free throw line. What do you do? What they tried to do was have a players only meeting. And it's been said a lot, but I really try to think about it. I can't remember publicly hearing about a players only meeting this early into the season, literally two weeks into the season, you're having a players only meeting. I mean, it's, it's, that's bad. And apparently the meeting didn't go well. Like the meeting didn't even do what it was supposed to do. And that's another thing. Like a lot of these players only meetings, dudes air stuff out. And then it just kind of sits there. There's very rarely resolution. There's very rarely a fix to whatever the ails were that caused the players only meeting in the first place. It just kind of just, all right, you got that off your chest. All right, cool. So that's essentially what happened with the Celtics. One, if you listen to all the reports from the blue check boys is smart, stood 10 toes down and set it with his chest in front of Brown and Tatum. They shot back. They aired him out. And then it didn't really do anything more besides that. But they went out here and beat the heat tonight, though. (laughs) But Tatum still shot like shit, though. He didn't take a lot of shots. So maybe he's listening and he's just not hitting shots. I don't know. But the Marcus Smart thing brings up Boston as a whole. Boston has been a alleged contender for about seven, eight years now. And the Schematum Dea ran away and hid and the boy genius ran away and ran upstairs to take the Schematum Dea's gig. And now they're leaving it into the hands of a first year coach to handle the mess that they made, to handle the roster that they mismanaged. And when it comes down to Tatum and Brown, I've been saying this for years and I've insinuated it earlier, but I think they should work through Brown. I think Brown's the better fundamentally sound player. That can in actuality, in real time, get the job done. Tatum is a flashy, he's a flash guy. He makes splash plays. He's that type of guy that he can go for 40. He can go for 50. He can get rolling. But when you need someone to give you 30 and play lockdown defense, that's Jalen Brown. And that's who I would build around. And I've been saying that for a while here. If we're saying Tatum is bootleg Kobe, I mean, that's high praise, but he's patterning himself after Kobe. When's the last time a team, or not, not even the last time, 
How many times has the best player on a team, on a championship-winning team, outside of the fraudulent two-time MVP but trash-ass ankle, Steph Curry, when's the last time a championship team's best player wasn't a two-way player? Bucks last year, be honest. Lake show with LeBron slash AD. Then you got the whole dub thing. See, that's why the dub thing, well, you got the Raptors with Kawhi, right? Raptors with Kawhi, two-way player. Then you got the whole dubs thing, which is the anomaly. And then you got the cast with the blown 3-1 lead, and that was LeBron, two-way player. Like, you got to go a ways to find where the team that won the chip, their best player, wasn't a two-way player. Shit, you might have to go to the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. And you could debate on who was the best player on that team. Some would say Kobe, some would say Shaq. If it's Kobe, then you could still play the game of two-way player. If it's Shaq, then you know damn well you can't play that game. Because we all know Shaq ain't playing no damn defense. At least not enough to be considered a two-way player. Never that. Yeah, D-Wade with the Heat. Maybe Dirk. Dirk damn sure ain't playing no defense. You might have to go back to Dirk, that Mavs chip, which was another anomaly because LeBron didn't want to post up J.J. Barea. So this is what I'm saying. When your best player, if they're trying to say and trying to push or force Jason Tatum to be their best player, then that means to me you're not going to win a championship anytime soon. You can get assets to this day for Jason Tatum. I'm here to say it. If the core of that team is going to be Tatum and Brown, and in that order, Tatum and Brown, that team's not winning the championship. That team's not winning the championship. That, that team's not beating anybody significant in the playoffs. That team's not beating the Bucks four out of seven. That team's not even beating the Nets with just Harden and, and KD. They're not beating them four out of seven. And that's all I look at. I know people like the one-game sample size. Oh, they beat them, so they got to. No, dog, four out of seven. Four out of seven. That's, that's what I project. That's what I look at. I don't really pay attention too much to regular season. They did this. Like, no, no, no. I want to see four out of seven. Truth be told, all things, all things equal, all things level, health be damned, four out of seven. I don't see that team beating the top two teams in the East. Knicks tape, y'all still want Zion? Do you still want Zion? You see him wobbling around out there, right? <laughs> you heard what Shaq, Shaq said? No, no, was it Shaq? No, it was Chuck. It was Chuck. You heard what Chuck said? They showed a clip of uh, Zion wobbling around doing some side-to-side drills, some, some lateral movement drills. And Chuck said, uh, Zion looked like him and Shaq had a baby. That's where we're at. Zion Williamson looks like if Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal had a baby. And, bruh, it's looking bad. And now a lot of people are now trying to take the take of, oh, well, yeah, now you have to reconsider, you know, if, if, if Josh should have went number one. Remember who was here all those years ago who was literally telling y'all, 
I'm not taking Zion number one. I'm taking Ja number one. Remember who is here. The pod archives are there. Literally right there. So, I mean, everyone, you know, it takes a while. I say things and whether it's a couple of weeks, a couple of months, or in this case, a couple of years, then everyone else slowly comes around to the point. Zion's fat. Zion's fat. Zion is eating his way out of New Orleans. Zion's family does not want him to be in New Orleans. Zion's family wants him to be in New York. I don't know if Zion himself wants to be in New York, but Zion's family definitely wants him in New York. With that being said, is Zion even going to make it to New York? Because, <laughs> I mean, he's had foot surgeries. He's had leg problems. He's had uh, joint problems, which is akin to the weight problem. Do you even want him? That's where I'm at with it. And even if you get Zion, let's say Knicks take get Zion a couple of years from now. What's that even going to look like? You think Tibbs, you think Zion has the conditioning to play for Tibbs? Zion might be at super sub. He might be at the super sub point of his career already. Remember like McDice after he had all the knee injuries and the microfracture or Penny or Grant Hill, they became like super subs, but they were like in their 30s. If Zion keeps going the way he is, and they've said it's going to be another two weeks before they can even retest to see if he can even come back yet, which to me means it's going to be like another month before he can actually like play a game if he's healthy enough or has his conditioning up enough. Like, bruh, I said he was going to be a bust, but I mean, he might actually be like a legit bust. I meant a bust in the way of y'all thought he's going to be this transcendent dude. And I was like, I don't see that. But now it's looking to the point where like, is this dude even going to make it nine years in the league playing? Not just nine years. Will he play nine seasons? Will he play a full season? At any point. And, you know, he was gift wrapped to the Pelicans because they had the smallest media market or the worst media market. So they needed to pump that up and jazz that up a little bit. So they gift wrapped Zion to the Pels. And they gift wrapped Ja to the second worst media market in Memphis. And now Memphis because Ja keeps ascending and he keeps getting better. And now the Jimmy is a little better. Now the Grizz look legit. They got him. They got Triple J. Dylan Brooks is a beast. They got some horses in Memphis. And then you look at the Pels. And the Pels got all them young Lakers. And the only one left is Young Reaper. And I feel sorry for him. He got the bag though. But I feel sorry for him. Because he's going to waste away out over there. Lonzo gone. Josh Hart. They're all gone. But you got Zion, though. You get to sell those jerseys. But the thing about it is, is that, and this is why I said it was going to be a bus, is that skill set didn't translate to the league. He's an undersized four. 
He's an undersized in terms of height for who's heavy. He could jump out the gym now. But I asked all these questions I asked, like, how's that going to be five years into his career? When he can't jump out the gym, then what's his game going to be? Is he going to be Zebo? Like, what's his game going to be? He's going to be Oliver Miller just chucking threes from distance? Like, what's his going to be Sam Perkins? Like, what's his game going to be? All those dudes I mentioned were taller. All those dudes I mentioned were 6'10 and up. This dude's 6'4", 6'5 on a good day. And you picked him number one? You thought that was going to be a transcendent talent? There's only one Barkley, man. I know we like to rinse and repeat guys we've seen and we make the comparisons, and I, I never believed the Barkley comparison because like the Barkley thing was different. The Barkley thing was different. He was more well-rounded. You know, the, the narrative today is every player is more fundamentally sound than players 20, 30 years ago. And at a baseline level, that's true, but not necessarily from a skill set. Not necessarily from a skill set level. From a baseline fundamental level, sure. But to me, not to not from a skill set level. It's not that automatic. It's not that automatic. You know, there's narratives out here that you could take the 15th man on the NBA, on the OKC Thunder, and he would destroy all-stars from the 80s. And I'm like, come on, son. Come on, son. What are we doing? I know you want to believe the thing you're viewing is the latest and greatest thing you've ever seen, but come on, son. And it's even older cats that are like buying that same narrative. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. I know you, maybe you're trying to appeal to a younger audience, but I don't know what you're trying to say. But Zion, if this doesn't work, how long does he last in the league? If he's truly trying to eat himself out of New Orleans and he goes somewhere else and tries to pull the Harden win, now all of a sudden he looks to be skinny after having a pot belly in Houston. He pulled up at Barclays and he looked to be in shape, even though that was all optical illusions. If Zion is to get moved, would you take... If Zion is to be moved, what are you willing to give up for him? Like, what team has the assets and the balls to go get Zion and to think he's going to get better? Like, where would Zion fit? Like, that's the whole thing with Zion to the Knicks. I'm like, where does he fit? Well, I mean, he can't fit in the uniform, but I'm saying in terms of rotation-wise and position, where's he playing? We're going to put him at the three? Or you can move Julius to the three, put him at the four. Still have Mitch Rob at the five. Like that's that's an ugly. I don't want to see that. And Tibbs, the meniscus tearing taskmaster, he's not on that type of time. He's not he's not gonna let a fat guy play on the court for him. A fat guy does not play for Tom Thibodeau. So the whole Zion to the Knicks thing, I just don't see how that materializes. Not in this current form. If some pieces get moved, some guys get moved, and some roster spots become available, then okay, maybe I could talk myself into it, or at least I could see see the 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 plan. But in terms of right now, or even next year, how does Zion fit on the Knicks? 
And if it's not the Knicks, then where else does Zion even fit? Who needs an undersized four? I mean, Philly, would you do Ben Simmons for Zion? Not straight up. Throw in some other pieces. He could get some, uh, what's my man's name? He could back up and beat. Jackson? Jackson Hayes? Jackson Hayes, Zion. Who's making money on that Pels roster? Can't get You can't get Young Reaper, so you can stop that right now. Um, I mean, that might be something. Might be something. Get Zion in Philly. Might hit a little different. Zion, Philly. I mean, that might that might hit a little different. Somebody gotta do it because it, it it ain't it ain't New Orleans. It ain't it ain't the blender. It ain't the Smoothie King Center. It ain't that. And we'll finish up with Ben because, I mean, of course, we have to. Every pop, we got to talk about Ben Simmons. Uh, so, <laughs> Maury asked Ben if he's ready to play it. And he's like, nope, still on mental health PTO. And I support it. And I'm here for it because, I mean, why? For what? For who? There's no reason for Ben Simmons to play a game. There's no reason for him to suit up. There's no reason for him to fake it. Y'all know what it is. Maury knows what it is. The whole team knows what it is. At least Toby tried to come out here and finally defend. At least it was somebody on that roster to come out and try to defend Ben Simmons a little bit after the whole mental health shit was announced, which, I mean, he has to say something so he can keep sitting there and drawing them checks. But, I mean, how's this going to end? Who's going to blink? Is it going to be Maury or is it going to be Ben? Or, more, more importantly, is it going to be Rich Paul? Rich Paul don't blink a lot in these types of situations. Look at the clients he's had. Even the lesser known ones, like even Eric Bledsoe, he forced his way out of Phoenix. Another Robert Sarver uh, thing that was mentioned in that, that Earl Watson, uh, that whole expose. The whole, whole Eric Bledsoe thing really bothered Robert Sarver because it was one of the few times that a player said no to him or a Agent and his team said no to him, and Sarver had to cave. And Rich Paul and Earl Watson had a thing. I don't know if he was officially clutched, but it was a thing. And Earl Watson thought that Sarver held that against him. So Rich Paul don't blink. If he could get Eric Bledsoe out of Robert Sarver's clutches... Then I think Ben, I think Rich Paul could get Ben Simmons out of Daryl Morey's clutches. But Morey thinks he's the smartest dude in the room, so he doesn't want to take an L. He's refusing to take an L. So I don't have too much of an update for you, but I think it's funny that Morey actually approached Ben Simmons as if that was gonna like as if there was actually a change of heart between two weeks ago when Joel you know, whole babysitter bullshit thing that I think was the most ridiculous thing Joel's ever said, one of the dumbest things he's ever said. Um, to now, where, oh, he's my brother, da 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 You think between babysitter comment to a few nights later on the home court saying that's my brother, to now you think there's been that much of a change? 
Mans was hooping with a cell phone in his pocket. Mans was practicing with a cell phone in his pocket with the screen on. Like you can see the screen on through the. Come on, son. Come on, son. What are we doing here? Free Ben. We want to free Odell. We want to free Ben. Get these dudes out of here. Stop. Stop playing with their emotions. Stop playing with their livelihoods. It ain't working. Just like Odell ain't working in Cleveland, and Cleveland finally just said, all right, man, just stay home. We'll figure it out. Why can't Dow Morey do the same thing in Philly? Ben, it's not working out. Go home. We'll, we'll figure it out. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Oh, man, there was so much shit to get into this one. So much shit to get into on this one. Hope y'all enjoyed listening. I enjoyed doing it. Uh, keep a lookout for everything. Just stay stay locked in. Putting out more content. Uh, keeping a weekly pod thing going. Getting more interviews lined up. Talking to people behind the scenes. Seeing, seeing what I could do there. But as always... Subscribe and rate to the podcast. Five sauce, nothing less. Tell a friend. Let's get some more reviews up if we can. That would be gratefully appreciated. Awards have arrived. That's all I'll say. Season two, Trash Narrative. That's where you'll see that. Might give you all a peek on the IG. We'll see. Don't know yet. Uh, but Twitter. Twitter space is going to be doing some more things there. Might pull up and have a couple more spaces. Talk to some of y'all. I enjoy doing that. So for the Sandy podcast, I'm the Sandy. I'm out. <laughs>